the TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Across the Airwaves, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews, along with news and opinions on the television industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is a guy who I hope will come racing to save my life if I ever got shot by a CIA sniper, my co-host. Hey everybody, it's Nico, and welcome to Across the Airwaves. On this week's episode, we are wrapping up our coverage of mid-season finales with the reviews of Psych and Person of Interest, as well as continue our series of discussions on the final season of Chuck. But before we get into all of that, we have our favorite traditional section, Nico's Movie and TV News. G.I. Joe Retaliation has released a debut trailer that hits you in the face with high-impact action and, more importantly, a a lot of promise after many fans were left sour in the wake of the previous film. Yes. A link to the trailer is on the Facebook page. But my question is, where's the classic G.I. Joe characters? Scarlet, Duke, and Ripcord from the first movie? Are they all killed in an attack? If so... I'm not so sure I'm going to like this sequel. I'll probably still give it a viewing, but how do you kill Duke? Friend of the podcast, Jason A., says he's excited to see the ninja fight on the side of the mountain. Awesome indeed, Jason. Snake Eyes is always awesome. Yeah. Speaking of trailers, I've put up the trailer for both Battleship and The Lorax. Both of those can be linked from our Facebook page. And soon, the Hobbit trailer will be up there as well, which comes out nice. December 21st. Here's the hoping that Liam Neeson says, you suck my Battleship in that movie. <laughs> yeah, Battleship is produced and directed by Peter Berg, who did the movie Hancock, and will be an epic-scaled action adventure that unfolds across the seas, in the skies, and over land, as our planet fights for survival against a superior force and stars, as Dan mentioned, Liam Neeson. So I'll probably give it a watch just because he's in it. I'm not going to go pay to see it. I didn't say I was going to pay. <laughs> I'll give it a watch. That's what Netflix is for. <laughs> yeah. However, I am super excited to see Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. Yes. It's an ad- adaptation of the classic tale of a forest creature who shares the enduring power of hope. The animated adventure follows the journey of a 12-year-old as he searches for the one thing that will enable him to win the affection of the girl of his dreams. To find it, he must discover the story of the Lorax, the grumpy yet charming creature who fights to protect his world. Danny DeVito will lend his vocal talents to the iconic title character of the Lorax, while Ed Helms will voice the Onceler. Also bringing their talents to this film are... Zach Efron as Ted, and Ted is the idealistic youth who su- searches for the Lorax to, to win the heart of the girl of his dreams, who is Audrey, played by Taylor Swift. 
So there's a lot of lot of names in this film. And if you watch the trailer, I watched both of them because I was so excited. It is really, really good. And it looks like it's going to be just awesome. Excellent casting on the Lorax. Yes. A little bit of it's uh, always sunny in <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> But at the same time, good Danny DeVito. I mean, Danny DeVito is amazing in that show, but it's like good, good in the sense of not dirty. <laughs> right. Now, what should Fox do with Terra Nova? That's the question. Oh, boy. Fox's Terra Nova, which just a few short months ago was TV.com's most anticipated show of the 2011 fall season. And now is their biggest disappointment of that same 2011 season. It ends its 13 episode first season with its future still up in the air. The renewal decision has been pushed off until after the new year. By now you know plenty of this show's dirty laundry. It's incredibly expensive to produce. Uh, pilot episode alone was estimated to have cost between $10 million and $20 million for one episode. And subsequent episodes carried price tags much higher than the average dramas. The show's bottom line is most dramatically affected by hefty post-production costs tied to computer-generated prehistoric birds, fish, and dinosaurs, none of which really have generated any technical Emmy buzz. Now, Terra Nova has also become sort of a punching bag for critics, myself included, and has received a split decision from the fans out there. Some recognize that it's just a children's show that's going trick-or-treating as an adult show. Really not great writing. But ATA friend of the podcast, Jessica, says, I would be very sad if I wasted all my time watching Terra Nova and then just Fox takes it away. Unfortunately, Jessica, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. I anticipate that this season finale will actually be the series finale. It's money. I don't think this is Fox be cruel. This isn't a Firefly situation. It's a real. It's a finance thing, I think. Well, it's not a very good show either, in my opinion. That's why I said it's kind of become a punching bag. It was a sci-fi show that became a teen soap opera. That's, you know, mean to say that, but that's kind of what it is. It's a CW show on Fox. Yes, exactly. Speaking of the CW, Supernatural's Jim Beaver who plays Bobby, if you've forgotten, has booked an arc on one of my favorite shows, Justified. And not just a quick one-stop shop. It's Beaver tweeted that he would be on the FX drama for as many as seven episodes. Awesome. But what about his role on Supernatural, you ask? How can he do both? Justified films in L.A. and Supernatural films in Vancouver. Well, it looks like he won't be spending as much time on supernatural unfortunately but that's not to say he's gone for good right but yeah so at least the actor has landed on his feet after us being stunned by his death (laughs) it's enough to make me want to get caught up to watch justified now oh justified's awesome you should and it's gonna be even better now yeah now in the final story today i have a slightly spoilerish news for doctor who's fan Doctor Who fans, so I will give them all the opportunity to skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled. Okay? If you're still here, you are risking the chance of spoiling. 
sad or happy, depending on your taste, news from Doctor Who world today. It looks like the 11th Doctor will be bidding goodbye to the pawns sometime during the next series. Both Metro and The Guardian are reporting this news. At the press screening in London of the next Christmas special coming out next week, The Doctor, The Widow, and The Wardrobe, showrunner and evil genius and podcast favorite Stephen Moffat stated, The final days of the pawns will be coming during the next series. Then the Doctor will meet a new friend. He also said that the story would end heartbreakingly. This is super sad news in this Doctor Doctor Who fan's opinion. I love Amy and Rory and will be sad to see them go. Though we were sort of expecting this with how the end of this season went. But at the same time, we hoped that with the Doctor avoiding his death, the Pons would again join the Doctor on his travels. But alas, that does not seem to be Moffat's choice. And really, can we begin to doubt him with how amazing the past two seasons have been? No, of course not. Just sad to have to see Amy and Rory go. But at the same time, really excited to see who the new companion is. So, sad, excited, jumble, you know, what else is Doctor Who going to do except for get me excited and make me sad and, oh, just all these emotions Uh, boiling up inside of me. Don't you dare kill Amy Pond, Stephen Moffat. I'm sorry, don't you dare. (laughs) Don't make the new companion be like Donna Noble either. No. Please, God. No, I, I couldn't take that. So don't do that to us. Yeah. And that's the news with Nico for this week. All right. So with that, we're going to move on to another fan favorite that I think has people debating and maybe up in arms. I don't know. Seems to be most people enjoy this episode. So we're going to talk about it. I'm curious to see what you think about it, Nico. So we're going to talk about the psych episode. Neil Simon's Lover's Retreat. When a dead body is found at a local winery and their hotel room is robbed, Sean and Juliet kiss their hopes for a romantic weekend away from work goodbye and join the investigation. This week's psych worked as a strong mid-season finale because as Jules said in the episode, taking things out of the regular SBPD bubble to focus on her and Shaw's relationship, gave us this vibe that something big was going to happen with Shaw on a personal level. But it wasn't what we've been predicting over the past couple weeks that Psych has been on. Again, we weren't necessarily wrong on our prediction because the discovery that is made at the end of this episode will most likely cause Shaw to come clean to Jules about not being psychic. It's just going to happen at a later date. However, before we get carried away with talking about the second half of the season, I first want to give credit to all the polarity created in this episode from Gus, Lassie, and Sean's dad being left all by themselves in Santa Barbara, where they have a contest at a local nightclub to see who could get a woman's phone number first. And I loved it how Henry won the contest, only to end up with a crazy stalker woman who we spent the whole episode trying to hide from. On the Sean side of things, humor came from his story arc as he struggled with being mature for Jules and making new adult friends, even though he has Gus. For the most part, Sean did a pretty good job with the whole mature thing for the first half of the episode, 
But then everything kind of went to pot, as his hotel room being robbed caused him to have a hissy fit over losing his Nintendo DS. Speaking of the first half of the episode, I was pretty impressed that they were able to keep all the main characters away from the mystery until the midway point. I'm not saying that it's something that they should do every week, but it's a big testament towards how well Sykes' writers have developed their characters, because they've gotten us to a point where we are so amused or invested in the wackiness of their lives, we didn't even notice that the mystery started 20 minutes or more into the episode. Going back a step, remember how Sean had a hissy fit over the Nintendo? Well, believe it or not, there's actually a very mature reason why Sean was upset about it being stolen. An engagement ring for Jules is inside of it. And this episode ends with Gus finding the ring inside. Now, before you start freaking out that this ring means Psych is calling it quits after having a spectacular first half of a season six, there is a long road ahead before Sean Spencer can even come close to getting married. First of all, Jules freaked out when Sean brought up the idea of marriage. And then there's the whole thing about Sean probably having to tell Jules that he's not psychic, which could still go down the way that we predicted, with Jules' dad seeing through Sean's ruse, because it was advertised that William Shatner will be back for another episode in the second half of the season. Plus, even though it was hilarious in this episode, if Sean is going to get married, he's going to need to prove that he can provide for Jules and not rely on Gus's credit cards that Sean used in this episode to pay for their lover's retreat. Although for me personally, what I'm most interested in watching is Sean and Gus dealing with the fear that Sean getting married could change their lifelong friendship or potentially end it. I don't think the latter is going to happen, but I could see Gus being afraid of losing Sean or being alone, kind of like what we got in the previous episode. On that note, I'm going to use my powers as executive producer of ATA to start my own internet fan campaign for Gus to get a reoccurring love interest. So post the name of an actress you'd like to see play her and why on our website, Twitter, or Facebook pages. And also, if you want to, you can send us a voice bell if you want. Again, we haven't got one in a while, and we'd love to have one. So if you want to be a part of this, feel free to do any of those things to communicate with us. So with that, Nico, what was your thoughts on the fall finale of Psych? This was a surprisingly good episode of Psych. When I originally heard that it was going to be a lover's retreat episode, I was skeptical that it could be as funny and well done as we've come to expect of this show. But looking back, why was I concerned? This was obviously necessarily going to be different. But at the same time, I should know that Psych can pull it off and not just pull it off, but excel at telling a different kind of story. Was this the best episode of the series? No, of course not. But it was another solid episode in this amazingly strong sixth season of a great show. Gus, Henry, and Lassie at the supermarket, bar, and then barbecue were great scenes. Even the crazy creeper was funny. Now, I don't think any of us, especially Guster, are ready to see Sean married. But the fact that he was even thinking that way is a huge step for him as a character, and that keeps us excited to see where the show and the relationship are headed. I think finding the ring freaked Gus out 
And he's going to keep the fact that he found the ring a secret for a while until he can process it. But eventually we'll come through and return it to Sean and it will be quite a bro moment and hilarious at the same time. <laughs> I just can't so, wait to see that bachelor party. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. Although it might it might be funny to just totally tank because Gus set it up and he thinks he's got game, but he doesn't have game. So <laughs> that would be hilarious, too. Yeah. No, but I like this episode. We've been talking for a while that we thought maybe this was going to be the episode where Juliet finds out or suspects Sean is not psychic. And that didn't end up happening. But at the same time, I wasn't disappointed by that not happening. And I thought the way this worked and the ridiculousness of the hot air balloon chase scene at the end, which worked, absolutely worked, just kind of was hilarious. (laughs) This show is like a cartoon sometimes. Yeah, the, the, the show works. And yes. it works because it's so kind of crazy. But at the same time, you know that the actors are loving their job. They just absolutely love coming to work every day. And that's I think, shines through in this show more than any other show. Well, they're having fun. And you can tell that. Exactly. And every week is fun to watch. And really, this is a big testament because they really can do anything they really want and it works again i'm not saying that they should do this type of episode every week but it accomplished what they needed to do and we were very pleased with it very much so but at the same time you do think that the stuff that we're thinking that's going to happen with sean having to come clean and stuff like that it's still going to happen it's just going to happen at a later date yeah i do i think that there's no way that Sean and Juliet could get married and her not know the secret. Yeah. Which that, I think will be the Duck Shatter episode. I have to agree with you on that. Absolutely. We've been saying that we think Shatner's going to be involved in the reveal, the ultimate reveal. Like, she might have some s- suspicion before he shows up again, but before Sean comes clean, Shatner will re- reappear. Yeah. And that's great. I'm glad that that Shatner was willing to come and do a story arc with them. Yeah, I mean, people make fun of him as an actor, but in reality, he is amazing. Like, to think, he carried an entire series. Leonard Nimoy and the other other guys on Star Trek were also very important in the success of it. But he was the star. Let's not kid ourselves. He was the star. Right. And... When he went on, uh, what was the lawyer show he was on? Boston Legal. Boston Legal, yes. He rejuvenated that show. Or right. Not rejuvenated, but like just he took it to the next level. Yes. And was great. Just absolutely great. And everything he touches seems to be just hilarious. Especially now that he can make fun of himself. Yes. Like his Priceline commercials were hilarious because he was he was totally making fun of himself the entire time. Yes. And when he did shit my dad says, that was great too. I mean, it wasn't the best show, but he was hilarious. Yes, I I will give you that, and I hope that the next episode of Psych actually kind of references the whole Priceline thing. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Uh, so with that, I think we're going to move on. I just think we've covered it enough. It was just a lot of fun. Great sixth season. Probably one of the best sixth seasons of a show I've seen. Most of the time, 
the shows feel like they're running out of steam by this point. That this show's not doing it, so that's great. So just be ready to look forward for more new episodes of Psych coming on February 29th. Again, I got really excited in the episode where they said, more episodes are coming in February, but it's really March, so we're going to have to wait a while. But it'll be great when it comes back, and probably this break was well-deserved for them to give us a great second half of a season. So keep the magic running, Psych. We're loving the show, and just keep it up. So with that, we're going to move on to another show that really just has the magic firing off on all cylinders. And every episode's solid, and this one lived right up to the rest of them. So we're going to talk about this episode of Person of Interest, entitled Number Crunch. Reese and Finch go into overtime when the machine gives them the numbers of four persons of interest. Meanwhile, Carter deals with the aftermath of the recent assassination attempt on her, and Reese's past resurfaces. With the machine spouting off four numbers, you'd think Reese and Finch would be in over their heads. But really, when it came down to it, this episode's main storyline followed what I thought was a standard procedure, with the side plot setting up a very intense final five minutes that rose this mid-season finale up to television greatness by the emergence of Reese's old CIA handlers, adding another variable to this epic face-off that's going on between Reese and Elias. Now, don't get me wrong on my feelings towards the main storyline, because it was interesting to watch, and how the four persons of interest connected to each other through them taking money from the site of the car crash they witnessed worked really well. But I felt that Reese was in control of the situation the whole time. So the main storyline didn't feel as suspenseful as the past three or four episodes of the show. Based on that perception, I was originally going to make an argument in this review that Carter's plotline of deciding if she should turn Reese over to the CIA was meant to be in last week's episode, but they couldn't fit it in due to time. So they had to come up with this story involving four persons of interest in order to turn the loose end from the assassination attempt on Carter in last week's episode into another full episode. But as I thought about it, Reese appearing so in control, despite having a lot on his plate, was completely intentional on the part of the writers, because they wanted us to have full confidence in Reese as a hero. So the final five minutes of this episode, where he was shot and so easily cornered by the CIA, would come across as incredibly intense. Plus, beyond the episode where Elias was introduced, Reese has pretty much appeared invincible, meaning that seeing the CIA put him in a position where he had to call for Finch's help and reliance on mercy from Carter showed just how dangerous Reese's former handlers could be, to the point that they are probably willing to ask Elias for help in taking our hero down. Finally, even though I feel strongly that the writers did an excellent job of setting up this episode's powerful ending, there was one thing I was surprised about. Carter deciding to help Reese immediately after she discovered Key and Finch was connected. I mean, basically, she was hesitating about wanting to help, but as soon as she saw Finch was there to help him, she put away her gun and said, you know, go on. And so I was surprised that the sight of Finch did that. Again, I figured she would be upset with Finch for lying to her when she interviewed him as a witness in a previous episode, 
But hey, leaving us with questions is just a part of the midseason finale. So we'll come back after the hiatus. And with this show, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm coming back. Because this was probably the most stellar run of first 12 episodes for a TV series that I've seen since probably the first season of Supernatural. Meaning that this show has got me completely hooked. So with that, Nico, I hope you're hooked on this show too. As you give us your thoughts on Person of Interest. Indeed I am. This is such a great show and I love, I am really loving it. This was a great episode as well that moved the story forward and left us with just as many questions as it answered, probably more now. Now the CIA agent chasing Reese says that he is, he was Reese's best friend. Is that true or just another lie? They obviously knew each other, right? Uh, That was evident when they, they met on the rooftop at the end but were they really friends he also said that reese murdered his handler and they disappeared and they assumed he was dead as well but we know that this is either only one side of the story or just a fabrication by the cia we suspect that reese found out that his handler was either corrupt or as you suggested dan killed his former lover to keep reese in line and he thus had to kill his handler but does the CIA know that, that? And are they trying to keep him quiet? Or are they trying to kill him? Or are they trying to get him back in their service? We just don't know any of these things. Right. And that's what I'm loving. Is that they keep throwing these things on us. And they don't always answer them. But we'll get it eventually, I think. And that keeps us interested yeah. in wanting to come back week to week. And they do answer questions. They did, oh, yeah. did give us a, glim- a glimpse into his past. They gave us the Carter backstory that we've been needing. So they are doing all these things. It's not just like we're going to throw out a million questions and never answer any right. of them. No, they, they are, they're doing a great job at that. Now, on the other hand, I do hope that we get some some of these answers in the second half. But yeah. even more, I hope that the Elias character returns in a major way. I figure that in the season finale, we will get the major face-off between Elias and Reese and Finch. Right. But I'm hoping we will see some interactions between them before that time. And they keep this story arc fresh in our minds as the second half of the season unfolds. And it's not just thrust upon us at the end. I don't think that they're going to make that mistake. So I am excited for getting some more answers to these questions they're asking. Obviously, they're going to start asking, making us ask some more questions to continue that progression. But I'm hoping we get some of those answers in the second half. But not only that, that we see Elias come back, that he is a major character in a couple episodes leading up to the finale. And then we get that super strong finale where they face off. Well, that was the interesting thing about this episode is that Elias wasn't in this episode, and it didn't focus on him, but his presence is what caused the events of this episode. Exactly. Because of the confrontation with Elias, Reese got put back on the map. So it's still a part of things. It's still working in the background. And I think, really, they just used this episode to introduce the CIA so down the road they can cross paths with Elias. I think it would have been too much for that team up to begin in this episode. So I think they're well, building up to that. I definitely agree with you on that, that they needed this introduction. 
And Elias could have been a part of that, not connecting the CIA and Elias, but just seeing him so that later when that connection, but it, it didn't hurt it that he was completely absent in this episode. It makes us speculate more like we are right now about a potential future connection. So I like that method that they used as well. I'm just really excited about this show. Yes, me too. I mean, and this was probably my favorite mid-season finale of the um, fall season, the fall 2011, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a great episode, and it, it probably is the best mid-season finale. I think it was better than the Castle one, which we we both kind of had differing yes. opinions on it, whether it was a great mid-season finale in up to par with what we've seen previously. So we were kind of, neither of us really want to say that that was the best one. And this one definitely jumps off the screen. We were really disappointed in the Bones one because they pushed it back. The real one is coming, and we will maybe see that episode and say, oh, that would have been a great mid-season finale. Right. But we're not, we didn't get that, so we can't throw Bones in there. Chuck isn't going to have a mid-season finale. (laughs) So Chuck is out. Supernatural... Supernatural was pretty good, good. but it was really the one, I think, leading up to the finale that made that one so great. So, yeah, Supernatural's up there as well. Supernatural was bittersweet. That's the problem with that one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This one really hit us everywhere we wanted it, and it didn't make us feel like, oh. (laughs) Now, I thought the week before was more intense. But I think the way that episode built this one up is what made this one so good. Okay. Because, I mean, they just hit us. I mean, they bring in Elias, wham. Then they did that episode with the guy that was a former spy. Yep. And that was intense. And then Elias comes back and goes after Carter, which was crazy. And then Mm -hmm. the CIA guys are thrown into the perspective. They did an excellent job of 11 episodes building to a 12th mid-season finale. And the way the CIA just took down Reese so easily, I mean, it just showed just how powerful these guys are. Yeah, it surprised us too. We thought he'd yep. be able to beat them the first time they went up against them, and they'd have to bring more reinforcements or have to come after them harder. But they actually, you know, they almost killed him. so... It was pretty intense. It was pretty good. Well, I think it was needed to show that they're capable of willing to go to Elias for help. Okay. And I think that's important. I think what we're going to get with the CIA people is kind of like the same government situation that we we kind of get on burn notice, where there's people probably in the government that we can trust, but most of it's shady. But I think it was a theory you had about, was it a couple episodes ago? Where you thought that he needed a contact within the FBI or something? Yes. Uh, that was back when we were still complaining about not having a purpose for Carter. And we right. said that she would be like his... We were suspect, speculating that she could possibly hit, be his local help for getting out right. of some jams. But he would ultimately need a some sort of federal level and if they got that FBI agent either in their pocket like they have Fusco or beholden to him because he saved his life or something like that, 
and really believes in what he's doing, I would like that more because we already have a dirty cop. I don't want a dirty FBI agent. I want a FBI agent who feels that he's doing the right thing and for that reason will help him when he can. And I thought that would help keep the CIA off of him because FBI could expose the CIA for working within the U.S. borders. And that, I thought, was interesting and could be very cool. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's going to eventually get a contact like that at one point or another as it goes on. I don't think that character will be a consistent character like Carter and Fusco. He'll be no. in there like every five or six, maybe even less than that. I think it's going to be like the judge. That's what I see happening with the FBI agent is however it happens, he gets involved and helps him and they work together and they're able to get him out from under whatever was coming after him. And from that point on, he he says, look, I can help you out sometimes, but I got to do what's right. I just won't follow you. I won't chase you. And if you need help, contact me. And if I can do something, I'll do it. And I think that will be a really cool thing. Because the judge said, look, I can't protect you. When they catch you, I'm not, there's not much I'm going to be able to do. But if there is, uh, essentially he said, I, I will help where I can. Right. And that's cool. Definitely. So we'll probably get a situation like that. Again, we're sorry we went a little bit longer on that section. We're just really excited about this show. It's great. And if you haven't started watching it, I highly recommend it. And I look forward to when this show returns. I think it's returning in January. Yeah, January 5th. January 5th. So look forward to it then. It's going to be great stuff. So with that, we're going to talk about an episode of a show that got me really excited about it again. And it's making me go on the fence if this really should be the last season. You know, it's kind of like that Firefly thing. You know, you just can't let it die. So we're going to talk about... The Chuck episode, Chuck versus the Curse. Chuck and Sarah face off against a cutthroat spy played by Rebecca Romaine while on a mission to stop a menacing computer virus. Meanwhile, a perilous case of mistaken identity upends Ellie and Awesome's date night, and Morgan is tasked with a special assignment. If you listen to our Supernatural section, we've been really excited about how that show has been able to find its legs after a lackluster sixth season. Well, guess what other show has got it on track? That little show that could. Chuck. It began slowly with last week's excellent episode. But with this episode, I can proudly say that Chuck is back on track. Because we got an episode that hit the ground running that did not let up on the intensity until the end. Unfortunately, as a result of this, we didn't get a buy more plotline. But with the nonstop action featured in this episode, it wouldn't have made any sense to cut away to the lighthearted antics of Jefton Lester. Plus, in my opinion, it was worth the sacrifice because we got some much-needed screen time with Ellie and Awesome, as well as some more development from Alex and Morgan's reigniting romance. On that note, the Elliot Awesome plotline was my favorite part of this episode, because Nico and I got to see something that we wanted to kind of have discussed for a long time, Ellie going on a spy mission. Again, I know we wanted to see Sarah team up with Ellie, 
but I thought Asa was a great sidekick for the purpose of this episode because it was fun to see them be mistaken as spies, put a spark in their marriage in a true lies kind of way. Again, I really enjoy that movie. It was fun to see that type of thing go on here. Speaking of marriages, the writers of this episode did an excellent job of upping the ante even more beyond Chuck B. concerned about the safety of his family. As he went off on his own to rescue Elliot Awesome, instead of trusting in Sarah to kind of do things her way, and I know it was unpleasant to see Chuck in the doghouse, even though he and Sarah worked things out at the end, but it was the perfect way to bring out Chuck's concerns about the Bartowski family curse and his fears of becoming just like his father. Because these issues are really going to come into play during the next episode. They made the next two episodes where something really, really big is going to happen. In fact, this thing, which I don't want to give away, is so big that it's going to be an episode of Chuck that you won't want to miss, even if your life depends on it. So for those of you still watching Chuck, get on the phone to start calling your friends to stop watching this show during season four and tell them that this is the time they need to come back because Chuck is getting good. So with that, Nico, what was your thoughts on this episode, which has got me really, really fired up and excited for Chuck? Dan, I'm fired up too. This was a great episode of Chuck that built off of last week's momentum and took it up another notch. The season is easily back to being the Chuck show that we fell in love with in season one and why we love this show. Yes. Now, Morgan was such a small part of this week's episode, but he was amazing nonetheless. I'm happy to see that he and Alex may be on the path to reconciliation because that's the one thing I've really hated about this season and really the only thing I haven't liked. And that's the way their relationship ended. It really was terrible. As for Ellie and Awesome, <laughs> this was a great chance for them to break out of their mold and really experience a little spy life. I love that they realized they might actually be on a real spy mission, and when they did that, they both said their safe word at the same yeah. time. But seeing Awesome try to save Chuck was great, and the whole premise was just, it just seemed to work this week and yeah. really was a lot of fun. There was uh, so much I like about this episode. We could probably talk about it for hours, yes. but I'll, I'll cut it off, or my portion of it anyway, just saying I'm excited for the return of a former Big Bad okay. and hope this show continues its strong showing in the next coming weeks. I did want to say in my uh, response, because I didn't know if you knew or not, oh, yeah. I didn't want to ruin it for you. But I did see the, uh, the preview. They were It was on my... DVR this time. Okay. So I was good. And then the next week, they got a, a pretty big guest star as well. That one I am not aware of, but it won't hurt me if you uh, tell me. I don't know if you want to put it out there. but <laughs> I, well, Maybe after the podcast is over, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> if you want to know. I do. <laughs> but it's going to make fans excited. Good, good. And it's going to fit well into things we cover on this podcast. So you'll get the connection with it. It's kind of exciting, too. So they've got that. There's actually maybe going to be another guest star next week's episode. That's going to get oh. people excited as well. So I'm telling you, you got to start watching this show. If you've quit watching it here, folks, come back. 
because it really feels like where it was where we were really pumped up about it in season three, the season two, or the first season. And really, Nico, if you think about it, this show had probably one bad stretch, which was the second half of season four. Yeah. And that's really it, remotely. I mean, it's been good program. It's just... Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the numbers aren't there, especially this season. And I think some people jump ship because they they knew it was going to be the last season and they they weren't happy with at the end of last season. And I think they're going to miss out because if they really did love this show, like a lot of people did when it started, then they're going to miss out on the, the conclusion of this great story of the geek turned spy. And... For those of us who are geeks or nerds or a uh, little socially not right. the quarterback of the football team, this is kind of our story, and it speaks to us. And that's a lot of fun to see it, and we want to see the ending of that, and we want it to be a good, happy ending right. where he gets the girl, he gets everything he needs or wants in life, and everything works out for Chuck and that's what we're all pulling for. And if you cut and run early, then you're totally missing out on that payoff. Well, it, so. it's for all the characters. This oh, absolutely. show has great characters. Absolutely. And you, you've got to see how things are going to end for all of them. Yeah. I want to know is Morgan and Alex, are they getting back together? Cause Morgan, I think somewhere in season three kind of just not stole the show but really almost kind of stole the show. He became an integral part to the story. Whereas in the first season, not so much, but later on they just realized he had to be. And I want to see another Jeffster performance. Oh, I think we'll get that. And I want to see, I actually want to see two more Jeffster performances. I want to see one Jeffster performance while Jeff is clean and sober. And then maybe an original Jeffster <laughs> at the end. Yes. I uh, think they're biding their time so they do it right. Which I totally agree with. I think it, I think it got old. I think they realized that when they made that comment earlier this season. Mm-hmm. But I think they're building up for a big moment. So I just hope they stay away from doing it next week. We don't need no music video again. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Uh, no, but I really think Chuck is good at giving their characters that moment to shine and focusing on, on all of them. I think this one was a big one for Elliot Awesome, and I love us to have more of those moments. Speaking of moments, the moment where Alex calls and pretends that her psycho ex-boyfriend is stalking her outside the thing, and it works for yes. Morgan, or he says... That was that was diabolical. She gave him this look, the little head turn smirk. Oh, it nearly, it nearly killed me. It was great. I loved it. Oh, it's the cutest little geek smirk I've ever seen. I loved it. <laughs> only, only an actress that can play Adam Baldwin's daughter can pull something like that off. Exactly. You know, I was just like, yes, because I love John Casey and I really like the character of Alex. And I hope that actress gets another role in something. Down the road. I hope all of these actors get a role. Let me rephrase that. Because they're all just a lot of fun and they just seem like cool people. And Again, like you said with Psych, this seems like a cast that has a lot of fun doing the things they do as well. 
Oh, absolutely. So more power to them on that. And really, they seem to be upping the ante more and more every week. So I wish them the best with pulling this off. I really think the way things are going down and as early as they're bringing a certain character back, I really think we're going to get a strong ending to this. And they might top Smallville at the end as well, which is kind of exciting, the thought process as well. So good luck to these guys with Chuck. And definitely if you're around, I know everyone's busy during the holidays, try to get in front of your TV this Friday night because if they got big numbers for this episode, they'd be a great thing. So definitely do that for sure, everybody, if you could. So with that, Nico, I think it's time for us to move on to the closing. So do you want to tell everybody what's kind of coming down the pipe? Things are going to get really Chuck-like around here, I think. Yeah, we're going to take a two-week break for the holidays. ATA will come back for the new year with an episode reviewing not just one, but two of the biggest Chuck episodes we've had since this show's spectacular third season finale. And then, if TV schedule permit, because Dan and I are watching a lot of television, we're going to try and do a podcast on the hit USA series, Burn Notice. Yes. And also, if you'd like, again, they're taking a hiatus as well. Michael's on vacation. So definitely you could check out his Smallville retro review show posted by Michael and his partner in crime, Woo Kim. And they have a lot of fun on their show as well as the cast of Psych and Chuck. So definitely check that out. And their podcast is also available on our website. At our website, if you don't know already, is www.acrosstheairwaves.com. And there you can contact us to talk about any of the shows we cover in a variety of ways. And the variety of ways are email. And you can send us an email at acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. You can also click the like button like us on Facebook and there you can check out all of Nico's movie and TV news that he finds that comment on it and we'd like to thank the people who've been commenting on our page Jason A and my uh, good friend Jessica I appreciate them commenting and giving us stuff going I also got a friend of mine from Columbia College Paul Meekin who comments a lot so I appreciate you guys commenting that just keeps us going and also we got a like from another podcast that I'm a big fan of uh, from Crisis to Crisis, which covers Superman comic books. So thanks for the like, guys. We really appreciate that if you're listening. Also, you can be our friend on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. And our Twitter is Across Airways. There's no the there, just Across Airways. And we also post news updates on there, as well as the release of our podcast. And Michael posts all kinds of sorts of fun, interesting comments to keep you guys interested. So definitely check that out. Also, if you'd like, you can leave us a voicemail. And what's that number, Nico? 773-809-3363. And basically with that voicemail, just call and leave us a comment about something that we've discussed on Across the Airwaves, or if you have any crackpot theories of our favorite shows, and we'll play them on air. Also, using the Facebook, Twitter, and voicemail, please help support our Get Gus a Girlfriend campaign and let us know which actress you'd like to see play Gus's reoccurring love interest if that's in the cards with him for that show. Also, if you don't want to go back and listen through the entire podcast to find out all the ways you can contact us, you can download our Android app. Where And through getting that Android app, you can easily stay connected with Across the Airways through your cellular phone, as well as listen to our podcast episodes. 
So check that out. The link to it is on the right-hand side of our website. So with that, once again, for our Smallville Retro Reviews hosts, Michael J. Petty and Wu Kim, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Rostek. And until next week, we'll catch you on the airways. Have a great week, everybody, and keep watching Chuck because they need viewers. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.